Two stories to start us off this morning. First, I only ever lied to my parents once. I was in second grade. I got ear infections all the time, so I had to take a medicine called Augmentin. Couldn't swallow pills, so I had two options. There was the liquid option, which had, like, chunks of powder in it, which was so gross. And then there was the chewable option, which was even so much more gross. And I just couldn't couldn't stand these pills. So once, I decided I'd be smart, and I'd pretend to take them, and then I would throw them away, which obviously did nothing for my ear infection. And about a week and a half later, my mother found them in the bottom of the trash as she was emptying it, and we had a nice long conversation. Since then, I, I never lied to my parents. So when I was in 7th or 8th grade, I was at a friend's house, and there was a construction project going on um, at a school near his house. So we were playing around, and they, the company had this big, like, shippable container that we thought it was really fun to, like, sneak around the construction site and hide in. Well, one of the construction guys saw us, caught us, and... I mean, he was probably dealing with his own stuff. He locked us in the container and started banging on it to really get us to be scared. And I was so scared. I was dark, I couldn't get out, and and I, I knew if anybody found out, I was in so much trouble. So we ran home and we swore we wouldn't tell anybody. I got about 20 hours into not telling anybody. And then I was so racked with guilt for not telling my mother that I just broke down and told her everything. In her mind, it wasn't that big a deal. Like, it's a little dangerous to be around a construction site, but, like, for me, it was the biggest deal in the world that I had kept that secret from her. Story number two, and I will tie these together later. Story number two. St. Vincent de Paul, a saint in Paris, France, known for taking care of the poor. That's his big thing. He was just such an advocate for the poor and for seminaries. Well, he came from a very poor family, and this was a time where the uh, the family really had to help contribute to seminaries. So St. Vincent de Paul really wanted to be a priest. His family was poor. They were poor farmers. They scraped together barely enough money to send this guy to seminary. So he's in seminary in Paris, a very prestigious seminary, and his dad comes up from the French countryside to visit him. And St. Vincent de Paul is ashamed of where he came from. He's ashamed of being poor. So his dad knocks on the seminary door, asks to see Vincent. Vincent doesn't acknowledge him, doesn't recognize him, says, I don't know that man. His dad essentially kind of waits outside for a little bit. Vincent never comes, and he has to go home. A horrible kind of betrayal of parents and a horrible betrayal of of the things that's given to us by our parents. Of course, the only reason we know this is St. Vincent de Paul is a saint he wrote you know, diaries or letters of things. And we know this is a great regret of his life. He, he did penance for it later, of course. Well, think about what it's going to be like for us when we die. We're Christians. Memento Mori is part of our tradition. This is not a macabre thing. This is something that we just talk about. We will die. Think about it. So think about what happens when you die. When you die, you will be face-to-face with the Lord Jesus. Face-to-face with the Lord Jesus. If you know him and love him and follow him, that shouldn't be a scary prospect for us. But it will be like me in front of my mother, where I couldn't hold anything back. We will be so overwhelmed with the presence of the Lord. We will be so in awe and majesty. And, and again, God is described as our father. Jesus is our brother. These are family words. We are so overwhelmed also by the love of God the family love of God, that we are just going to pour everything out. 
It's not like Jesus stands there with his arms crossed and says, confess your sins. It's not how it goes. We are so overwhelmed by his presence that we will just, everything will come pouring out of us, the good and the bad. We will tell him all of the things we've done that we're sorry for, all of the ways in which we wish we'd done better, all of the ways in which we feel like we've walked away from him or ignored him. But we're also going to, to bless him and thank him for all the blessings that he's given us in the course of our lives, all the wonderful things that he's done. We're going to, to, to praise him for giving us the grace to follow him, to live good and moral lives. The successes that we've had, we will praise him for. This is what the Lord means when he says, Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed. No secret that will not be known. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. We believe in two judgments. The particular judgment happens immediately when you die. And then the general judgment. The general judgment is this same thing, confessing everything to the Lord, in the presence of every human being who has ever lived. So when we say that nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, we mean that in the most extreme way possible. After death, there is no such thing as a secret. Everything will be made known to every single other human person who has ever lived. But in the presence of God, if we know Him to be a loving Savior, if we give ourselves over to Him, then we do not have anything to fear in that. It will be a joy and a blessing for us that everything is now revealed and given to us. Because a lot of times in this life, when we work for justice, we don't see the fruits. And we see those who are unjust getting ahead. Those who abandon morality saying, oh yeah, this is great, I'm much happier and much better. And we're like, oh, it's a slog to try to be good. It's a slog to try to be just. But at the end of time, we will be recognized for our efforts. Everybody ever will know. And in that moment, it won't matter to us that everybody knows that we've done well. It only matters to us how we are in the eyes of God. At the end of the Gospel, we hear, Everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Heavenly Father. But whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my Heavenly Father. Imagine St. Vincent de Paul turning his father away, not even acknowledging his presence at the doors of the seminary. His father was his great benefactor. He gave him life, and he gave him the means to go to seminary. And Vincent de Paul denied him. Imagine how much more extreme that dynamic is with God. God gave you life. He gave you every good thing in your life, every blessing. And if we live this life failing to acknowledge Him, how much of a betrayal is that? But, the consolation for the Christian, for those who remain faithful, the consolation is, everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Heavenly Father. Well, how beautiful and wonderful, because when we get to heaven, I kind of imagine, like, I know it's not going to be this way, but I can't get over my own problems, my own insecurities. I kind of imagine it to be the first day of middle school. You're like, looking around, you don't know anybody. You're like, oh, this is really awkward, who do I sit with? Well, you want Jesus to be the one to come up, put his arm around you, and be like, I know you. You're part of my family. And then he brings us arm around us to his heavenly Father. 
And he says, Father, I want to introduce you to this person who was faithful to me in their life, who knew me, who prayed to me, who walked with me, who acknowledged me before others. Father, I commend them into your eternal rest. What incredible consolation. What a blessing to have the Lord be our advocate, our champion. In the first reading, Jeremiah is overwhelmed by his enemies. They are whispering about him. They're looking for him to mess up. They want to tear him down because they don't like what he's saying. And he says, but the Lord is with me like a mighty champion. If we acknowledge the Lord before others, if we are faithful to the Lord, if we make sure that he is part of our life and if we try to live our lives in such a way that we don't have to hide anything from him, well then what an incredible champion we have. In fact, St. Paul tells us, he's talking about Adam and he's talking about Christ, he says the gift is not like the transgression. Adam sinned, and because of his sin we toil in this life, we have sin, we have death. Adam sinned. But the gift, Christ, the conqueror of sin and death, is not like the transgression because he is infinitely greater. St. Paul says, how, For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, how much more did the grace of God How much more did the grace of God and the gracious gift of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow for the many? Christ is your advocate, not just as one advocate against another, equally matched with sin, death, and Satan. Christ is infinitely greater than those things. He is fighting for you in this life, if you're faithful, and in the next, if you acknowledge him before others. The Lord is taking care of you now and will take care of you in the next life. All we have to do, all we have to do is acknowledge Him. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to pay for it. We don't have to be a perfect person before He fights for us. All He asks is that we acknowledge the grace that He's giving us. That we acknowledge before others the fact that Jesus is our Savior. That He is the one fighting for us. That's all we have to do. And then we have the greatest champion we can imagine. What we do this morning in these baptisms is we bring children into the family of God. God is our Father. Jesus is our brother. The Holy Spirit is the bond of unity amongst this family. And so when a new person is born into the natural world into a natural family, our greatest desire is that as soon as possible, immediately, they would be brought into the supernatural family of God. That they would have Jesus, their brother, advocating for them at the right hand of the Father. That they would have the Holy Spirit uniting them to the rest of the Christian family. Today, we bring them into that family. They are adopted by God the Father. And Jesus is made their champion. The Lord fights for them. Their parents, from this day forward, will teach them the Christian faith. Their parents will teach these children to acknowledge Jesus before others. And as they acknowledge Jesus through the whole life, as their source of blessing, as their champion, they will grow closer and closer to Him. So that at the end of their lives, they will arrive before the Lord, confessing all things, but more than anything else, confessing their faith and love for him. And Jesus will put his arm around them, his brothers and sisters, claimed this day in this font. Jesus will put 
his arm around them and bring them to the Father, just as he will bring all of us who acknowledge him to his Father for all eternity.